Welcome to the Highland Gospel Mission, a podcast to all nations. Each week, Pastor Keith will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message from Highland Southern Baptist Church to the rest of the world. If you have a Bible, we encourage you to read along and study the Word for deeper understanding. Now, here's Pastor Keith with this week's message. If you would, get your Bibles open them up to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. You'll notice in this uh, first, cha- in this, in this, the first word of this chapter is therefore. Um, in the, the chapter previous, the Apostle Paul speaks about the uh, struggle of the two natures. And the two natures that live within each and every one of us is one, the fallen nature, which every person is born with. Nobody has to ask for or be gifted with. We all have the capacity to fall. For someone who trusts in Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, we also have another nature, and it's a supernature. It's a, it, is what, it is what God has given us to lead us, to guide us, to help us make good choices, the spirit that God has given us communicates to us as individuals for the purpose of keeping us sane in a very insane world. Why were there phrases that were created like drive me to drink? Because people had found themselves in instances in their lives where that's exactly what they felt, right? And individuals is not just driving to drink, it's driving to drugs, it's driving to sex, it's driving to all kinds of things. Individuals in the world hurt. And many, in many cases, they will seek out whatever they can to, to stop the hurt. As believers in Jesus Christ, we've been given a nature that's supposed to be supernatural. That's why I said we have the fallen nature and we have the supernature. The fallen nature that is within us will not let us completely grasp the concept that Jesus Christ, through solely believing in him, has forgiven you of all of your sins, past, present, and future. That he will deliver us from the ultimate harm, which is death. Right? Christians don't die. They just move on to eternity. Non-believers don't die either. They just move on to eternity as well, just a less pleasant one. The lives that we live as Christians are supposed to be lives that are driven with passion to see God's plan and purpose fulfilled. Trouble with that is, we also have the very real difficulties, struggles, and challenges that we deal with on a daily basis. And those things tend to snatch hope from us. They snatch happiness from us. They snatch peace from us. Those conflicts, if we allow ourselves to be in the nature that is the flesh, the flesh will continually bombard and beat us down to where we will begin to ask the question, is there even a God? And if there is, where is he? And why is he doing what he's doing? And why is he allowing what he's allowing? As Christians, our responsibility is just to say, Lord, within the the capacity of the circumstances that you've granted me, what is my responsibility? 
and accepting our responsibility in that. And then in life, whether it's a consequence of a choice that we made or a consequence of a choice that somebody else made, life's going to hit us with these things, but it should never rob us of our hope. It should never rob us for any length of time of our peace. It should never rob us of our happiness. But what the Apostle Paul spoke about in chapter 7 is something that's very obvious for us to agree is absolutely true. Because if, he, if you are here today and have placed your trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you yourself have fought between those two natures. The one that says, do what you want. And the other one that says, but you know that there are consequences to that. And life is made up of choices. And God doesn't hold our choices against us. You have the liberty to make whatever choice and mistakes that you want to. But the question is, just how targeted are we in the lives that we live? And just how distracted do we become by all of the other difficulties and challenges and struggles around us? Because let me ask you something. Have you sat in church, heard a message, the Spirit of God spoke to you, and you knew that God was God, and that he was on the top of the hill, and there was nobody who was, who was knocking that king off the hill? You ever had the experience? What's the difference between that day and the next? Or that day and the last? What's the difference? Is it him? Maybe he's less powerful. When he's not king of the hill, we feel a little less capable. Is that what it is? It's the struggle between the two natures. It's the struggle between the two natures. Have you ever heard the story of the wolf and the sheep? Every decision that we make in life, we either make the decision... to feed the wolf or feed the sheep. <laughs> Consistently, one of them is going to starve because you can only feed one of them. As a matter of fact, when you feed one, it directly harms the other. So when you go through life, who do you feed? The wolf or the sheep? In other words, the wolf to us is all of the things in the world. Because you know what? Your financial troubles are God's not big enough to see you through those. Nope. You are hanging by a thread and you just need to, man, do whatever you can because God's not big enough to do it. You got a health problem? Got news for you. If you could accept this, I said this to Madeline one time, and I'm telling you now that if you could accept this, it will help you go so far in life. You're going to die. I don't know if it's going to be today or tomorrow or 20 years from now or 30 years from now, but the fact of the matter is you're going to die. doesn't matter how much money you spend on the diet stuff. doesn't matter how much, how much you change your diet. It doesn't matter how much oxygen you breathe. It doesn't matter how pure the water is that you bathe in. None of these things matter. You can do everything that you want to, anything that you can afford, throw all of your money and your material at it, and guess in the end what's going to happen. You're going to die. These meaty coats have an expiration date. The spirit that is within us does not. 
this God that we say that we serve loves us so much that he says, I'm giving you heaven if you trust in Jesus and there are no strings attached, none whatsoever. In the world today, if you got that kind of a present, what would somebody expect in return? They'd own you. Jesus wants to own you. But the difference between him and the world is he won't come at you and insist it. He'll say, I'll pay, I paid the price. And I promise you, it was steep. In this God, who we are so wavy in following, has said, all, if you trust in my son, that's all you have to do. Just believe that he is who he is. And from that point forward, doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter what you say. Doesn't matter how big the mistakes that you make are. Doesn't matter whether you get trapped in it. At that point, Jesus says, I'm taking you home with me regardless or in spite of yourself. Because who's really willing to stand up and say, I'm worthy? This is the point, folks. This is the point that he's trying to make. The struggle between the two natures, if the flesh gets control of you, it will send you in an emotional down spot, downward spiral that will lead you through some of the most difficult times of your life. Period. Truth. Look how, look how this particular chapter starts, though. Chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let this sink in for a second. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you know what that means? Eternal judgment, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, eternal judgment is off the table. Can't be put back on the table. It is off the table. You cannot be condemned if you genuinely have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is, therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That literally means that you will not stand before a great white throne judgment. That you won't have to stand there and God say, you belong to the right and you belong to the left. It's a done deal. You don't even have to stand before the great white throne judgment. Doesn't mean you don't have to sit before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ which is what us as believers are going to go through the accountability time but you won't have to stand there and worry about being condemned because he took it off the table it's gone it's not a possibility you can't lose your salvation if you genuinely have it People say, well, genuinely have it. 
Well, there's a lot of people that individuals look at and say, oh, look at that person. They were doing so good. Now they fell off of the wagon. They lost their salvation. I think there's a big difference between people losing their salvation and people never, never having it. You think that church isn't curious to people? You think people don't seek the things that go on inside these four walls? You think that there aren't things to seek here that you could seek aside from a relationship with God? There are all kinds of things people can get attached to inside of a church. It does not have to be Jesus. It can be people. It can be a passion for a purpose. There are a lot of reasons people can go. It could be because they like the music. It could be because they like the way the building smells. There's a lot of reasons that people can go to church besides trusting in Jesus or besides worshiping Jesus. An individual who trusts in Jesus Christ, that means, what, did you pick up the word that I used there? Trust. What does it mean when you trust him? Find yourself in a bad financial situation you had nothing to do with? Like I said, too big for your God to deal with, right? Because, I mean, he was just the creator of the universe. Money only has value because he made it have value. This is all according to his plan and purpose. All of it is. So when you find yourself in those health situations, Jesus, I trusted in you. Did you? Because if I trust him, then whether it's in my health, it's my finances, it's my emotional state, if I trust him, that means, <laughs> Lord, I trust that you know best. And I trust that whatever you're doing, whatever it requires of me, that it has to be worth it. So when you find those, yourself in those situations, how many of you have drawn the conclusion to say, in the midst of those difficulties, Jesus, I trust you. Give me the, the wisdom and the vision to see what I can do within my circumstances, but I trust you. How many times do we affirm that? How many times in our life do we affirm that? Because we should be affirming it every time we're hit with something. You got a health issue? Jesus, I trust you. You find yourself in a financial situation you didn't contribute to? Jesus, I trust you. You find yourself in an emotional situation through a relationship or something else? Jesus, I trust you. We seek within that what our part is in trying to find the solution. And then we leave the rest of it up to him. And if we truly believe in him, if we truly trust him, do you think he's ever going to let you fall? You say, well, every one of the apostles were martyred. I'm not saying that that's not a price that could be expected. But I am saying you can choose to die one of two ways. Because the truth is, in the end, we're going to die. You know what one thing bugs me about Walmart? Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think I did anything wrong by being at Walmart. I don't think anything wrong by it. I learned a lot of stuff by being there. But you know what bugs me at this point? And I'm glad I'm only about two and a half weeks away from being done with this job. 
I'm leaving skin on the field at Walmart. Do you know how hard that is for somebody who's dedicated their life to ministry and who has dedicated their life to a calling? I'm aging myself at Walmart. Instead of aging myself doing something that's a calling. We're all leaving skin on the field. The question is, where are we leaving it? Because the energy that we use to worry, if it was converted to passion for purpose, what would be the result? Because you do understand that this is all a distraction. It's exactly what it is. Because you can't stop your death. You can't stop the world from taking advantage of you, taking, taking you for granted. You can't stop people who are in the flesh from hurting you. These are things that are impossibilities to stop. You can't stop them. They're out of your control. But they're not out of Jesus' control. And we know exactly, we know when we find ourselves in the midst of those circumstances, we're paying attention to what he's trying to accomplish in the midst of it. I told this story, I think, Wednesday night. I might have told it Sunday morning. I can't remember. My wife will remind me if I told it on Sunday morning already. There's a boy at Walmart. Walked in after break one day, and he's walking in next day. So you're a preacher? I said, yep. He said, I would have never known you as a preacher. And I stopped. I turned around and looked at him. I'm very careful about the life that I live and my character and my reputation. And when I stopped and looked at him, he stopped and turned back around and looked at me. And he goes, he goes oh, no. Every preacher I know is always on me about believing in Jesus and going to church. And we never stopped walking, kept walking. And, I mean, no more than that came out of his mouth. And I said, I completely respect your right to go to hell. And walked away from him. Two hours later, this kid's yelling at me across the store. He wanted to know what I meant. The choices that we make, we can either allow those choices to bury us, or we can allow those choices to expose Jesus Christ and who Jesus Christ is. We don't have to be a dogmatic individual walking around swinging our spiritual strength. But we have to be people that at least find enough emotional stability within us that we aren't looking straight past the opportunities. Because that's what happens when we get distracted. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How much peace should you draw from that? The one, the only, the only individual in all of the universe that it matters what they think he's not going to hold anything against you and he's not going to judge you it says in 2 for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death for what the law could not do weak as it was through the flesh God did sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, 
but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God for it does not subject itself to the law of God for it is not even able to do so. I want you to go back a little bit and look at verse seven again. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God. Do you know what that word hostile means? Threatening. And why wouldn't it be? The God of the universe, who has shown us that he's real, who has proven to us many times over that everything that he's told us is true, it's manifested itself in our lives enough to know with affirmation that the things that he's said to us is true. That he gave the ultimate gift, that he has performed miracles that nobody else could perform, one, raising from the dead. He's kept every one of his promises, as far as we know, which is pretty huge in and of itself. And we find ourselves in just how big of a bad situation. I mean, honestly, how bad does it have to be for us to be bummers? How bad does your day have to go for it to be blown? Just how tolerant are you of all of the fallenness in this world? Because when God, who has stepped up and done everything that he's promised, who has shown himself in every way possible, when he establishes himself as our God, our Lord, our Savior, He's established himself as as such. And we have a problem that is barely small enough to see next to all of the things that he's done, and what do we do? He's incapable. Can't do it. Would you feel threatened? Your deity was just brought into question. Your ability to be in control was brought into question dominion was brought into question sovereignty is brought into question character is brought into question reputation is brought into question would you feel threatened people who live in the flesh are hostile towards god because everything that they do says i don't believe that my god's big enough to do whatever he wants to start the sermon doug preached about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The choices those individuals made, the the establishment of the individual's reputation and their commitment to God and their willingness to walk into a fiery furnace. And what was their attitude? We believe that our God will deliver us, but even if he don't, I will still never bend the knee to your golden idol. Because when you trust him, you trust him. Regardless of what that looks like to us. Regardless of what that feels like to us. 
We don't get to come in the picture and say, here I am, Lord, send me. And then him go, okay, here's how I'm going to use you. And we go, wait, can you find me a different one? That's the definition of an offering crawling off of the altar. Just know your God's big enough. He's smart enough. He's caring enough. It matters to him what this world does to us. That's why he's given us the spirit as a pledge. That's why he's made the promises that he's made because those are the things that help us through the difficulties. And you'll never stop yourself from getting into the valley. The question isn't whether you'll find yourself in a valley. The question is how long will you spend there? Because it shouldn't take too awful long for us to remember that our God is faithful. He is mighty. He is strong. And he has one desire. For everybody out there to have the same opportunity that you and I have. That's all he wants. So he's made some of us pastors and some of us teachers. He's given some of us gifts of encouragement, gifts of patience, gifts of gentleness, gifts of child care, gifts, gifts, and more gifts. And he says, all I need you to do, I don't need you to learn how to do something. I just need you to use what I give you. Just use what I give you. You use what God gives you, and you will play your part in changing eternity. It's a fact. But if Satan can get you distracted, if he can get you to look away and start paying attention to yourself and whether you're going to make it or not, you won't have the time, the energy, or the passion to employ the gift that God's given you. And what does that mean for the lost person out there? What just happened to their hope? Verse 8. Look at it. And those who are in the flesh can not please God. Not only is it hostile towards him, but there is no possible way that it can please him. He says in 9, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. 
For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. This This is interesting to me. How many of you have ever physically done something and felt like you made God happy? Your deeds. You ever do something, hurt your shoulder, patting yourself on the back because you did something great for God? This relationship, and, and we've always talked about it as a relationship and not a religion. These words, Abba, Daddy, Father. This isn't an adoption of some kid that just wandered out of family care who the state's paying to raise the kid to a proper age so they have a greater chance of surviving. This isn't that circumstance. This is God adopted you and you are his child. You're not something he's just hoping to get through 18 years old because you bring a paycheck. Do you remember? And this was something I remembered as a little one and I also was still amazed at as a daddy and a grandpa. Did you ever get spanked by a mom or dad and five minutes later crawl up on their lap? To me, this I found this very interesting, curiously interesting. After a while, I figured out that it had to do with the depth and the level of a relationship. Because every good parent has a little bit of daddy and a little bit of father, both in them. We are the authority in their life. He is the authority in ours. We are also the one that's going to hold them during the thunderstorm. We're going to calm their fears when they speak them and they think the boogeyman's going to show up in the middle of the night. My girls still today, from what I understand... Maybe a couple of times in my life, I remember one of them calling me father. How do you think they come to me? If we're just talking regular, it's dad, right? If they want something, daddy. Because the truth is, anybody can be a sperm donor. But it takes a special kind of person to accept a child on the authority side I'm going to discipline you when you need it and at the same time the one that you can crawl in his lap when the thunder hurts you or scares you he is that strong tower the refuge the place of peace the place where we go and it's supposed to be something that provides a value with us that has longevity to get us through day to day to day to day to day and I know listen I said it before there's nothing you can do to keep you out of the valley because we just happen to live in a world that has a lot of them 
you do not have to stay in that valley very long. Just long enough for you to remember. To remember who your God is, just how much he loves you. So much that he's not taking anything that you've ever done in your past. He's not going to hold it against you. He ain't going to judge you for it. He ain't going to tell you, you can't go to heaven because of what you did. No condemnation. When he receives you, he's going to receive you as his child. Not an adopted child. That word adopted, it's because we're adopted from the Gentile. We're Gentiles. We've been adopted into the Jewish family. Metaphorically speaking. But it's not like we're outsiders that have been adopted in. The adoption itself made us insiders. You hurt? He hurts too. For you. Because you hurt. Well, he could relieve it. Would you want him to? If you're hurting, was it going to save two people? Would you want him to stop your hurting if your hurting was going to send two people to heaven for an eternity? Would you want him to stop it? What about one? One soul worth your pain? Your frustrations? Your difficulties? Because that's what the trade-off is. That's exactly what the trade-off is. As a believer in Jesus Christ, I can tell you as much as anyone else that I know what it means to hurt. My whole life. You imagine having a migraine since you were 16 years old that's never gone away? Just changes its intensity? People tell me I've never had a headache in my life. I look at them and go, what? Can't even imagine never having a headache in my life. And I struggled with God for a long time about it just like the Apostle Paul struggled with, with his. And what Jesus continued to say is, my grace is sufficient. He continued to say, whatever it is that those difficulties in your life are creating and those little bumps in the road that you may trip over and those walls that you run face, face forward into, my grace is sufficient to see, through, see you through any complication or difficulty that comes along with that. But again, don't ask him to take away the one thing that may be a channel for the gospel and for people to actually get to the kingdom. We have to have the desire to do it. We have to understand that this is a plan. It's not something he's asking us to figure out on our own. This is his plan. And all we have to figure out is what our part in it is. You accept the grace and the mercy and you put that to rest. Forgotten. You know, it's hard for us as humans to forgive and forget. But you know, it's exactly what God said he did. As far as the east is from the west, drown in the sea of forgetfulness. You walk in the kingdom, it doesn't matter what kind of shape you're in. He's going to open his arms and he's going to hug you because you're his child and he's not going to hold any choices that you ever made against you. Ever. So why waste the energy worrying about something 
How much has worrying even fixed anything? Yet it's our go-to, right? It's never fixed a thing. The one who has the fix is Jesus. Most of us that are in here already know that. We just had to be reminded it. And in many cases, we got to balance out and weigh. What's the cost of a soul? The cost of a soul? Your discomfort. Are you willing to pay it? By the way, what did it cost Jesus? What was the cost of a soul? What did it cost Jesus to buy a soul? It cost him his life. It cost him a separation from the Trinity. I believe more pain than any human being could even begin to conceive. He could have made it another way. Why did he choose to do it that way? million dollar question but I believe that I know the answer to that question it's the only way that we would really get that the consequences of sin is death when sin comes into the picture somebody must die Jesus being who he was had the capacity of vacuuming every one of those sins into himself. Nailing him to a tree, shaking him off in Hades. He died. A painful death and a painful separation. And what do we whine about? Gonna have to pay a bill a month late? Week late? card readers at Walmart I've heard a lot of those this week <laughs> they think that I I don't know <laughs> that I have something to do with it <laughs> I'm like I just deliver them to the store that's all I do I just forklift drop them in the store whew, they take them to the front I don't see them again until I walk back through later and they're installed that's <laughs> that's true that's true and I wouldn't either because that would be technically me not doing my job <laughs> my hopes this um, my hope and prayer is first of all if you're here today and you've not nailed down this relationship with Jesus then it's something that needs to happen don't do it because I talked you into it and don't do it because you just think it's something cool to do if you trust in Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior and the Spirit compels you to step out of the aisle and to come up here and tell me you want to be saved then do not withhold him from that if you're here today and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, my hope and my prayer above all else is that you would remember that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you are in Christ Jesus, it means God loves you just that much. And if he loves you that much, then he's going to make sure that he's using you in major ways. Sometimes it just requires you to walk into the darkness. Sometimes you got to go through the briar patch. 
Sometimes you gotta go into places where it's a little bit painful. But be encouraged. Because there is no one bigger than our God. I laughed. I was downstairs this morning and opened up my Bible app to teach the class. And you know what? The focus passage for my uh, for my my uh, daily verse thing was: "Be still and know that I am God." It's good advice. Amen. Thank you, Brother Keith. And for those listening on the podcast, I want to offer that same opportunity to you to come to the Lord. If you've never placed your trust in Jesus, now is the time to do so. By default, we are all sinners, separated from God, and there is nothing we can do on our own to fix that. That's why God sent His only Son, Jesus, to come live a life without sin. He was put to death on a cross as a perfect sacrifice for that sin. And to seal the deal, He came back from the dead three days later. If you truly believe that and ask Him into your heart, you will be saved. If you're already a believer, this is a great opportunity to recenter your life in Christ. Take these next few minutes in prayer, and I'll be praying for you as well.
Thanks again for listening. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, discipleship, or if you have prayer requests, you can visit us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. Have a blessed week and go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Highland Gospel Mission was produced by Zach Link with preaching by Keith Barron. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons.